Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplin and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gerd, and my wonderful co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Struggling with the internet a little bit, but it seems to be good so far. Um, how are you doing? The we work internet, it seems to be a thing of, of uh, complete uh, temperament. Anyway, let's let's hope the internet doesn't scupper our plans for this cracking episode. Uh, we've got another interesting guest lined up. So let me set up the episode and we'll introduce it to our guest, Rohan. So firstly, thank you for listeners for, uh, for tuning back in. If it's your first time, we appreciate you giving us a chance. We hope you enjoy the content. If you subscribe, you get episode alerts every week. And we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple. Helps uh, helps us to boost our rankings. Thank you very much. So our topic today is the impact that Stylitics outfitting technologies have on e-commerce revenue. So Stylitics is the world's largest producer of shoppable digital content for the fashion industry. Um, I think well, I looked to the the stats. It's supporting 50 million shoppers per day with personalised inspiration from over 3,000 brands across um, uh, almost 100 of the world's largest retailers. So it's got a lot of a really good pedigree, and we're going to have a, a, an interesting discussion today to understand about what what the role of outfitting is. So, what type of business is outfitting technology best suit, and why? How can e-commerce te- teams blend automation and brand control? How are um, the stylist's customers using the tool to drive ROI, and, and where's their roadmap heading? So, uh, welcome to Rohan, who's joined us from the warm climate of Dubai today. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Um, so you've got an interesting background. I was uh, I was doing my usual LinkedIn stalking when we first connected. Um, so you've got an innovation and product management background. You've had spells with Kindle, with Kindle Amazon. You founded Stylitics in 2011. You were selected as the NYC Fashion Fellow in 2014 as a rising star, which is amazing. And you're part of the YPO Global Leadership Community for CEO. So quite a busy man. Uh, as it turns out, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Exit, do you want to just um, uh, get, explain to people in your own words, because some people will know and others won't know what Stylitics is. What, what do you do? Yeah, you know, sometimes I feel like we're a, we're a well-kept secret and other times I feel like, you know, um, uh, we are finally getting our name out there. So we, we, we're basically powering outfitting, styling, bundling now for the home categories uh, at scale for, for the largest brands and retailers. And effectively, what that means is that we're helping them show their shoppers how to style a product and show them in a visual way. So, you know, just if you, if you flip through a fashion magazine um, and you see, you know, those laid out looks that are very visually exciting and compelling and kind of help you see how to style a, a small selection of products, we're actually doing that at scale on a daily or real-time basis for a retailer's entire catalog. And so, um, you know, if you're looking at a product detail page, for example, and you're looking at uh, a blazer, you know, our job is to take the, the retailer's product feed, use our technology to create this composite, shoppable, digital, dynamic image, um, which has an outfit in it. Do that for 20, 30, 50 outfits for that product. Make sure there's a lot of variety for occasions and themes. So now as a shopper, you can actually see all of the different ways you can style this um, in a very uh, sort of, you know, brand-approved way. But the brand is able to do it sort of a thousand, thousand times the scale that typically their merchants and their stylists would be able to do. And there's a lot more that we do, but really it's just providing that moment of, of inspiration and, and for creating confidence for the shopper at that moment of purchase. Right. Um, and you mentioned that you typically work with larger businesses, but I guess across everything, like, do you also work with smaller businesses? Like, yeah, what's your average or like what size is your average client and what type of verticals and industries are you working across? Yeah, you know, we, um, 
we most of our customers are uh, the, the very largest in their category. So we sort of started there. So in, you know, as an example, it's most of the major department stores. Um, it's it's mostly brands that are in the, the, the hundreds or, or of, of millions in revenue, or I think we have more than fifty billion dollar year revenue customers. There. Um, that said, we are increasingly able to support customers who are uh, not very early, but say 20, 25 million in revenue. The real key point for us is that they, they need to have a catalog for about a few hundred products and uh, typically across you know, three to five different categories. That's really when bundling products together you know, makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, and then to answer your question in terms of which categories, so we're in, in you know, most of the major fa- or all the major fashion categories. You know all the accessories, apparel, footwear, beauty. Um, you know we're, we're bundling beauty in, and now increasingly, as we have a lot of major sporting brands and retailers, there's a lot of um, you know uh, sports sets and kits, and um, you know camping equipment and that kind of thing. Just other things that people want to buy together. And uh, a couple of years ago, we actually entered the home and uh, sort of home goods categories, and now we have uh, at least in the U.S. about eight to eight out of the 10 largest, and then a, a few others. And this is really helping people to see how, you know, if you're going to buy that couch, what are the other things that you should get with the sofa or the couch? And um, so that's been a really, really effective category for us as well. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we're, um, you know, we work with boys and, and baby and, and looking at pets. So it's mostly home and fashion, but we're looking at other categories too. Right. And um, in terms of the integration, can you just talk us through like how, because obviously working with that size of retailer, you're going to be working with a number of different kind of big platforms, probably quite a few kind of bespoke tech stacks. Um, mm-hmm. What an integration looks like um, and yeah, how you work on that side. Yeah, you know, we, uh, I think really we spent two or three years just trying to get that piece of it to be as seamless as possible, because as you as you pointed out, there's a lot of different stacks. Some of them are custom. Some of them are obviously the major platforms. And so really what we need from the retailer um, is, is their product feed. And this is their standard product feed that they have. And what we've tried to do from that point is to say, um, you know, as long as we're synced up on that, we have a team in-house, our sort of feed ingestion team. We'll do all the heavy lifting of mapping your fields to our standard taxonomy. We'll, you know, we'll add a lot of attributes that help our algorithms work. So let's actually triple or quadruple the, the number of fields that we have for the taxonomy. We get the images as is. So even though we're showing outfits and bundles in a laydown format, you know, we can, we'll do all of the post-production. So, so they can send us their standard model, uh, model images and then we remove the model straight in the arms, you know, make sure it's all sort of set up. And we, of course, do this at massive, massive scale because we're getting hundreds of thousands of products coming through. And now once we have, you know, better attributed data, totally cleaned up using our, our, our AI systems, and we have images that are ready for the, for bundling, then our our um, tech is actually going to, um, you know, apply a whole variety of uh, data sets as well as brand-specific rules that we can definitely talk a lot more about. And, and we create these bundles, and we do this, you know, at scale. Um, so the retailer, throughout this hasn't had to do anything. Now, the merchants that can go into our platform in the back end, they can look at things, they can provide us feedback, especially in the early days if they feel like something is uh, needs an edit. But really, it's it's totally hands-off from that perspective um, once you have the feed. Then the only other thing we really ask for is to say, look, embed our JavaScript onto your site, do it in a couple of different places, 
and um, we give them a variety of sort of a library of options. If they want to add CSS or they want to customize a little bit, they're welcome to do so, or we give them a lot of variations. And then once that that's embedded, the last thing we need is just for them to put some JavaScript so we can we can actually follow the orders all the way through. That's it. And you know, once they have that, then the rest of it's pretty turnkey. Um, and we can run the A-B testing ourselves. We can add, you know, um, uh, configurations. We can report back to them. And so fairly proud of, of having taken a lot of the work out of it. And usually, um, you know, we fall into the very light to light lift for the, the kind of payoff that, that they get. So you've got an AI and ML engine that sits sits behind this. Auto generates product associations because obviously people want to be able to create bundles at scale and minimize manual effort where where relevant. What I'd love to, I guess, a quite key question people would have is how what are the data points it's analyzing to make these associations and ensure there's relevance? And is any of it yeah. visual matching? Are you using any like image matching, or is it about underlying data points around sales and category and attributes? So how does that piece work? Yeah, that's a great question. It, um, it's there are a lot of different things going into it. So let's just say you know we um, James, James and Paul was the hot new brand um, that was out there, and if you, only on, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's still, there's still time. Um, and, and so if if you guys came came on, you know, first of all, once we ingested your your product, you know, we would. We wouldn't need you to tell us everything that has to match. We we have obviously um, 100 billion sessions here of, of 100 billion sessions a year a year of seeing what outfits have worked for others. We have our own systems. We can start spinning up really high quality um, visually matched um, outfits as well as using the underlying data. So to answer your question, is we're we're definitely analyzing the images um, and breaking it into the color you know the colors we need and some of the other attributes we need. But we also leverage the underlying data. So that piece of it is, you know, we can run very good standard outfits from just a, you know, kind of day one. But as you'd imagine, um, every brand, uh, every retailer has a different view, especially the ones we work with, a different view on how they want different categories styled. They have a brand voice, they have a brand perspective. And so the really challenging and interesting problem in this area um, that I feel like we've, we've now, after many years of doing this, really solved well is being able to absolutely reflect every nuance that a brand may have or want to share with us. And these evolve over time as new collections come in um, without them having to you know, give us additional data. So as an example, right, you might have, um, uh, you know, let's say Nike and Puma, so work with both. And I'm, these are all, um, the descriptions here are all kind of made up, right? So um, uh, Nike might say that, you know, we have this new line of leggings, they're sustainable materials, the, and they're, uh, they're maternity leggings, and um, we consider them to be a fashion product. And so we want them to be styled up or styled in a bunch of different ways. And, you know, uh, that's, that's Nike's view. And Puma's view might be that they have the same similar types of products, but they really don't have a strong preference in that category of how to style them. Right. And so, um, but they really care about their, um, their, uh, heavily patterned leggings needing to be styled with matching, matching items, right? So you have these sorts of different nuances for different brands. And, you know, a, a really good system in the space has to be able to fully reflect that and the other 50 things that they say. Because otherwise, what happens is 
the merchants, the, the, the people who are sort of stand up for the brand are going to say, you know, the outfits look nice, but they're not our outfits. We can't put them in front of the customer and say that this is, this is ours. And, the, you know, our retailers don't put Stylitics name on it, right? We are behind the scenes and our, our job is primarily is to help them scale their vision. And so we've now built a very advanced system that allows us to tell it um, effectively anything that a human merchant might be able to tell us. And it's really powerful because even if the taxonomy doesn't have certain concepts, like if there's nothing in the taxonomy that says patterned maternity leggings, we were able to teach the system to find those, understand what those are, including with new ones coming in, and then actually um, treat them as a different type of product, style them with certain guidelines and rules. And this is sort of sitting on top of the 99% of the universal rules we have. And, um, and this is a fairly simple, straightforward process now with the system we have. And so um, it's, it's, it allows us, you know, James and, and Paul might say, hey, you know, we have this new drop. and um, we we really want to make sure that um, you know the this new collection is styled amongst amongst itself. And if that was an instruction we had yesterday, we could add it today, and it's going to be reflected across the all the outfits. So I might be getting super deep into a rabbit hole there, but like this is the part where it goes from you know uh, an algorithm could run this, an algorithm could do these sorts of things in the seventy five percent mark, but to really close this gap is where the, the fun and the hard stuff is. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting because some brands are much more um, precious about what associations can be made and how they visually merchandise and are terrified of letting a machine make any decisions in terms of... I, I, out of interest, do you do you find that, that many businesses allow like you know the, the black box to do its business and learn from that and then apply the rules? Or do people always start with the brand controls first and then allow the machine to make decisions um, on top of that? So our process um, is, you know, we invite the brand uh, and merchandiser, the, uh, the rules and what we call styling guidelines at the beginning of the process. And so our team, we actually have dedicated teams that will go in and they're super expert at kind of soliciting and getting out all of the things that the, um, the, the visual merchants or, the, or the, uh, the creative director, whoever it is, will have. And these are, you know, this is like an hour conversation. And what we'll then do is we'll ingest it, we'll apply it. We can then generate a thousand outfits. We, we come back and we have a visual platform at the back end and they can look at it. And then they can say, you know, you got it mostly right, but actually I forgot to tell you that we, we, we want to treat this sort of product a different way or I don't really love what's happening over here. And so, you know, our rule is no bad outfits. Like this is, this is not a system that we kind of learn on the, on the retailer or the brands dime and time in front of their shoppers, right? Because this, it's such a, unlike product recommendations, which, you know, another category, it's not a category we, we, we play much in, you know, in product recommendations, the job of the product recs, like other people also like, or, you know, similar products, is sort of to save the sale, right? You want, you want to be able to make sure that somebody who didn't like that particular jacket is not going to walk away. You want them to look at other jackets. And so any one product out of the selection works. In outfitting or bundling, every single outfit, every bundle has to be at least very good because this is, you know, a loyal shopper coming to, let's say, you know, the Bloomingdale site is going to look at these outfits and they think that the Bloomingdale's stylists and merchants are giving them this advice. 
um, in the form of these outfits. And if the outfits don't look good, it detracts from the brand. And so we have this, again, this interesting and fun challenge where on day one of launch, they all have to look, you know, all 10,000 outfits or 100,000 outfits have to look really good and have to really reflect the brand's vision. And so before we ramp in the kind of weeks preceding, we're showing them these different batches that, you know, will have more human involvement in the beginning and increasingly less human involvement um, leading up to sort of this, this big launch. And, you know, we're sort of very proud of this fact that in most cases, within a few weeks post-launch or a few days post-launch, even some of the most particular uh, brands and retailers in the world are no longer looking over the work, right? They're just saying, go for it. Um, so that's, you know, that's where we're able to, um, it's not that we are asking them to let us run an algorithm for six months on their site, showing a bunch of bad outfits and learning from it. We have to show up day one, really good stuff. That makes sense. Um, one of the highlights, or one of the features that James has highlighted here in our notes is the swap feature. Um, and I personally haven't seen this. Um, so can you talk us or talk me and the listeners through how it works, what it is, and a few examples of how it's added value to some of your clients? Yeah. So just, you know, functionally, it's a, it's a mix and match feature. It's our patented mix and match feature. And the idea is, you know, we will present the shopper on this particular product detail page or in galleries or, or wherever else across the site they're seeing this. We're going to show them the outfit that we think is, is right for them, personalized outfit that's right for them. Uh, they may have, you know, some, some shoppers and, and by our data, it's about, you know, somewhere between eight and 15% of shoppers who are engaged with the, with the outfitting will actually click in and want to swap other things in. And so we actually let them click into the outfit and it's an interact, becomes an interactive element. And they can actually select from other, um, let's call it, if it's, if it's a jacket at the top, it's bottoms, it's earrings, um, uh, and, and some, and some flats, like, uh, that's the outfit. You know, the shopper might say, I, I like this, uh, I like the outfit. I would just want to see it with different flats or different shoes. And so she can actually click on the shoes and see a selection of other things that already would go with the outfit and start swapping them in. And the actual image on the site changes. And so she's able to kind of do a little mix and match exploration right there without leaving the product detail page or wherever she is. And, and, you know, this scores really high marks with a certain kind of shopper. Because I think, you know, there's um, there's shoppers who just want the cheat sheet. And the shoppers who say, look, I, I, I know my own style. It's helpful to have you kick me off, but I want to be the one who's finally doing this. And so. Um, we have versions that sort of sit in their own dedicated parts of the site, but also embedding this mix and match feature is really powerful. Um, and, and what you see is that for those shoppers, you know, obviously key metrics like, you know, um, you know, time on site and stuff really goes up. But really what you're seeing is you see much higher conversion rates for that particularly picky shopper who otherwise would be wanting to like, do all of their research and all of that. You're actually ending up doing it on your site. So it's a pretty powerful tool. And, and, um, we have about, I think 50, 50 major retailers using this. Um, the, some of the stats that we meant, you mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, of our time, they're much larger now. So we're in the ballpark of 150 million shoppers by our estimates every month. And so about 50 to 60 million shoppers every month are using the Mac feature. 
Great. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll give it a go after uh, we finish recording, but it sounds like a great feature. Um, so a second ago, you said that you don't tend to play in the recommendation space, but one of the features that, again, we've got in our notes is kind of upsells or cross-sells within the shopping cart. Can you talk us through kind of what your offering looks like here? Yeah, and, and you know, it's, uh, um, it's sort of variations on a theme in terms of, you know, showing people the, the outfit of the bundle. Um, you know, just zooming out for a second, uh, what we're trying to do and what we've been able to do is, you know, we're trying to change the shopper from a sort of transactional mindset where they would, they, you know, they click on an ad because they like a product. They go to a product detail page. They look at it. They say, ah, it's a little expensive or, you know, I can fi- let me look elsewhere and then they kind of go away. Or in different parts of the funnel, there's something in their cart, but they're still not sure about it. We're trying to make them... Um, we still want to convert them. We also want to push conversion through, but we're trying to change the change it from them sort of um, just using it as a giant catalog of products to start to think about style, their own closet, how they would wear this, the versatility and the value they get from it. And so, you know, the the product rex part is not so much individual products that show you more of the same. It's really, you know, we sort of think of the three V's, which is when somebody's looking at a particular product especially in this environment where you have people who are, you know, the general shopper, at least um, we know from the U.S., I think it's, it's across um, the U.K. and multiple markets, everyone's a little more price sensitive or they're, they're spending their, you know, spending elsewhere. And so they're, they're not just willing to spend as much on basics, for example, as they used to. In that moment, if somebody's looking at something and it's, um, you know, it's a dress for 100 pounds or wh- whatever it is, you want to really reinforce for the shopper that, hey, there's a lot of different ways you can wear this. You can actually dress it up for, for you know, going out at night, but you can also dress it down with a brunch with it. And showing them that versatility does a couple of things. Like first of all, it drives the conversion and people actually buy it. But then um, they're also discovering other products that they otherwise wouldn't have seen. And their mindset has now changed from, I just want to get this one thing to, you know what, maybe I'll spend a little more time here. Um, so I don't know if I really answered your question, but that's, you know, there were trick. <sighs> Increasing average order value is a really challenging thing. Uh, not a lot of tech can support that. And that's really the, that and the cross-sell part is where we play. One of the areas in fashion that's always quite tricky around getting really accurate product associations is, is the sizing thing. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there are other areas where you can do bundles where sizing isn't an issue. It's just down to product availability. But you might have like, a trousers and a top. And depending on the stock view, you might actually struggle to get the the match because few items of the tops are out of stock or they're not compatible with the sizing of the trousers. Yeah. That adds complexity. Like, does, does your platform handle that? Do you take into consideration the size matching piece when you're looking at the bundles and what you represent to people? We do. Um, we do a few different ways. So, you know, one dimension of this is just inventory levels. So we are tracking inventory levels for all the products. And so you know, we have, we have general kind of guidelines and rules that, you know, when we should be using products, if their size broken in like a couple sizes, we don't, et cetera. But really we're making sure that the outfits all have appropriate sizing. Actually this outfit form factor is very powerful because as long as the size is available, um, it does something very interesting, which is, you know, we've tested, you know, on model stuff. We've tested showing like avatar, we've tested a lot of different things, but ultimately most people don't look like the models. And so um, showing stuff off model and showing the products together as long as they're available actually gets you around some of the size 
the size constraints in looking at the asset. It's really just saying, do these products pair well together? Um, so that's that said, uh, we do style plus size products completely different than sort of you know regular quote unquote regular sizing or petite sizing or, or big and tall. Um, we are looking, you know, the system is making sure that you know if there was a certain top that's appropriate for a certain body shape. You know, it might go with high-waisted pants that may not work with another body shape. So you certainly there's the style component, but there's also the um, kind of wearing together component. And you also, if I understood correctly, you also offer integration into email for for like campaign marketing programs. I love. It. Could you explain to people how it works? So is this like generic bundle associations going to anybody? Or is it personalized to the customer based on their, you know, their browsing profile, their purchase history? Could you give us a bit more detail on that, please? Yeah. So the, you know, the, um, uh, for about 75 or 80 of our retailers, and I think that number's going up. This is actually across several channels. So once you have this always fresh live pool of visual content, suddenly the marketers are like, Hey, wait a second. I don't have to go through the studio process. I don't have to, you know, pay for incremental content. We have, 50,000 pieces of content that are available and in stock. And so it just makes sense to push this into social and ads and other places. And email is a really high performing version of that. And so to answer your question, um, the simple, the simple ways to do this that are really in that post purchase or abandoned part where it's typically tied to the product to start out with. So if you, you were looking at, um, you know, the jacket you're wearing, um, uh, on the sweatshirt you're wearing, the, uh, you know, we will show you the best outfits available. So you abandoned it, um, honestly, you bought it, you know, instead of just showing you here are more products you like, we'll actually send you outfits that, that work with that product. And that's sort of the generic version, although it's delivered to you personally. So it feels more personal. But increasingly now, as we turn on our, our, you know, out personalized outfitting and personalized bundling technologies, um, the more we know about you, the better the outfits are to come back. So obviously localization, but the outfit form factor allows us to know a lot more about you. So as you browse or as you purchase something, you know, you might, you might like very minimalist looks. You might not like big logos. You might like stuff that tends to be in a certain price point. And of the 200 outfits that are available, you know, we would push the best outfits to you or we would create outfits for you and, and send those in, to you in email. So we're now kind of progressing from more generic, more personalized. And we, we talked a week or so ago when we were, we were planning this session, and we're talking about ROIs and how people can justify investment in tools. And you said that there's an average ROI in, in year one of like up to 32 times. And I know, uh, I'm sure you're used to this, e-commerce folk are naturally sceptical of sales claims. So I'd love to know, how, do you, how is ROI measured and validated to know that it's like incremental revenue? And this, this is my favorite moment in, in every relationship with a customer because everybody starts out with, with the skepticism, which I completely support. Um, we know the claims out there are, you know, every, everybody seems to be driving, you know, <laughs> all this revenue. So, uh, uh, no, it's, it's very straightforward for us. We, you know, um, uh, so first of all, the ROI, our ROI calculation is based on how much they pay us, which is an annual subscription for the number of products we're signing and the number of applications they're using. And, um, and, you know, this is, this is, a, it's actually a fairly affordable solution, oftentimes less than, you know, 
two thirds of a full time person with doing the work of five hundred people, um, so, so to speak, right? But so we have we have our kind of base cost, and then uh, when we launch, we launch with an A/B test. We can run the A/B test as they can, and it's a fifty fifty split typically. And it's some people see you know one one cohort is seeing outfits, and the other on the same product page is just not seeing it. And our goal is to say what is the impact on average order values, um, oftentimes driven by you know the number of purchases. What's the impact in conversion rate um, from seeing outfits across the overall session? And we have the tracking, um, quote unquote, pixel on the other side, and um, and it's just very straightforward. And and um, the it's the thirty two x is actually not up to it's it's an average for us. And if you actually look at categories like home, it's much higher. If you look at kids, it's much higher. And it's just you know um, it's a frankly it's a function of the size of the retail we work with. You know we're driving. For some of these retailers, if you can drive half a percentage in increase in conversion rate because of the volume, because we're on most product pages, we're across galleries, we're on a homepage, we're on in the other parts of the site, um, you're seeing a vast majority of their traffic going through this. And that increase in, in conversion rate does have this like a multi-million dollar a month kind of impact. For smaller retailers, you know, it it'll take a little bit of time to get there to that 32x, right? So if you're if you're doing 25 million a year in revenue for us to give you that kind of impact, you will get there. We might want to iterate and tweak and do a few things, but you do get there. Um, so first year one might be 15, 20 X ROI, but then we'll kind of, that's the, the benchmark we look for. We have large, large retailers, um, who are, who are basically paying off probably a decade of stylitics in the, in the first six weeks. So it's really, you know, um, I wish I could, I wish I could claim. Greater credit, but it's just the, the the math works out really nicely for the big ones. Right, and um, in terms of like examples, like who of your customers do you, or like who are your favorites from a design and like utilization perspective? Yeah, you know, um, uh, of the ones who who have sort of you know been public. Uh, so N- Nike, for example, has. Um, has a really nice implementation, big, beautiful outfits with tons of great real estate. They use our hotspots version. Um, so it has kind of an Instagram like vibe to it. And, and that's really nice. And, the, um, uh, that team is, for, as you'd imagine, very, uh, sophisticated in, in how they do all of this. And so, um, it's a really nice implementation. You have, uh, um, you know, retailers like Kohl's, um, uh, big department store, they've lever- you know, certainly they've leveraged everything else we do, but they have now used, um, our featured shop product, which is, which is dynamic galleries, um, interactive galleries with outfits and items and tabs on top that are, instead of going through, through the 15 week cycle to create marketing landing pages, you can do it in two or three minutes using our backend tech. Um, and now increasingly it'll be automated, fully automated. Um, they have now used Dialytics featured shop in addition to everything else they're doing to like transform 200 pages across their site. And so now they, they are moving literally 15 times faster than the competition in terms of being able to respond to trends and other things, because they've just, they're using stylic outfits to publish a, a new landing page with a, really a lookbook overnight. Um, so they, they've done it really nicely in the home category. You have, Trading Battle has done a really nice job of the user experience. This is in a different layout. It's a mood board layout. Um, and um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think of some other, uh, some others. Uh, uh, Bowden has, has, has a really nice implementation. Uh, yeah, I, I think what we found, oh, um, uh, Express. So Express is a, a you know, um, really embraced the technology. They've been public in terms of saying that this is actually, you know, in some cases driving 60% higher average order values. And they have put it into every part of the, the site experience, the email experience, the app experience, and really a native value proposition. And um, uh, it just feels so nicely integrated to Express. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, they, we, we, we get a lot of really good partnership from retailers. And you, you, when we started, you said that obviously you're working with a lot of the, uh, big retailers and big brands, and this suits well at scale because of the efficiencies of automating. Um, how does the pricing model work? Because you know, there might be some smaller businesses out there thinking, actually, this is not realistic for me. It's probably too big and too, too expensive, which might not be the right thing for them to think. So uh, what's an entry yeah. point? Like, what, si- what sort of size of catalogue does a business need to have to make it worthwhile? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not something that a, um, you know, uh, a mid-sized brand should, should forego. I mean, this is now just, just uh, you know, our view, and I think the market's view, this is table stakes. Right now, if you look at at least the U.S. shoppers and increasingly in the U.K. and other markets, this is something that shoppers are seeing multiple times a month across different retailers. And so it is now table stakes for, for brands. Um, if you have a few hundred products across a couple of categories, this works for you. And I think that if you can afford, you know, uh, a marketing coordinator, um, you can, you know, sort of use those dollars or, or those, that equivalent of dollars and get started with Stylitics. So, and it'll pay for itself very fast. So it's not something that you, you need to sort of start out with hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or, or millions of dollars using, using U.S. currency here. So it's um, we also are are very comfortable with letting people try it. I mean, we, there's a, there's a price for that, but you can try it for four or six months, um, see it working for yourself. We'll still give you the full solution. It's not like you get kind of a stripped down version. It's it's something that you know increasingly this year as we you know we've we've spun up a, a team in the UK, spun up a team and um, focused on on uh, on Europe. And we know that budgets are in this environment are also different. And so we've tried to make it super straightforward for people to say, I want to try it and see it work for myself. And it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be prohibit, prohibitive for most. Right. And um, your point there around being able to try it takes me nicely onto my next point. Um, so you offer a pilot, which is a three to six month test as um as far as I know, um, who is this eligible to? And is there any commitment beyond that pilot? And, and also, you mentioned there's a cost for that. Um, how does that typically work? Yeah, so the, the you know, um, for us, it's just about getting everybody uh, lined up past that point of skepticism, right? So you're saying, oh, well, you know, they're saying this is, this is working so well, so I just want to see it in action. And so we're not, you know... Um, we 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 let people start it off with a few thousand products or a few hundred products, and they'll still get everything else that you know. We put a lot of skin in the game, so we will still treat them like a full customer. Obviously, we will pull in their feed. Like I said, it's lightweight for them. We'll do all of the steps I described. We'll make you know our team will will really make sure that their vision is is represented. And then um, 
you know, get it started on a few hundred products or a couple thousand products, see it working, let's run the A-B test. And then once you are satisfied that it's having a strong impact, then we sit, sit down and we sort of plan, what does it look like to scale this up? And which ways do you want to scale it up? Do you want to scale it up in terms of number of products, which is the typical step? Do you want to get this into email next? Do you want to get into social next? Um, in terms of, you know, lo- requiring a longer term commitment, we just to be, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're sort of simple people in this regard. We're like, if you want, if let the tech speak for itself, we're not going to make it complicated. We do want your active engagement and commitment in those three to six months. Like just be treated like something that we both want to succeed. But we're not going to sit around and ask you for all kinds of like complicated commitments and things like that. So we've had a very, very good track record and good history of, um, you know, I would say 75% or more of our customers today who, you know, uh, many of whom do pay us uh, very large sums that are making very, very large sums for them started out as like $50,000 pilots. So we're very, very comfortable with that approach. and. If it doesn't work for somebody, um, which I think has happened twice in the last two or three years, um, from a few hundred, you know, or a uh, hundred plus uh, customers, uh, we we'll, we will all scratch our heads and say, "How can we start working for you?" We'll try to solve for it, but if we're not going to try to wrap them up in something that doesn't work for them. That makes sense. And um, last question, um, what's next for the product and your business going into 2023? Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're feeling pretty excited about the future. We, um, uh, this, this year, a few months ago, we raised $80 million uh, in our Series C. And that capital is really towards um, new product, product expansions, um, you know, really trying to get our existing customers a lot more value and a lot more features, et cetera. So um, I know you guys are probably sick of talking about personalization. Um, for us, personalization, we're not trying to solve everybody's personalization problems. We just think if you're going to show people bundles and outfits, show them in the most personalized way possible. Um, and so there's a lot of tech there. We're also launching other features that help, you know, um, uh, like my closet features and personalized lookbooks. and um, smarter digital dressing rooms and other things that just take, um, again, go away from the trans, just transactional, um, hey, giant catalog of products. Let me look at it, look at the price and walk away to try to help retailers turn their sites into a style destination. There's a huge opportunity there for that. So that's one big area. Uh, another big area is our customers have about 40,000 stores and seeing the success of it online. They're all asking us, you know, to partner on store implementations and how we bring it to store. So that's a big area of focus. And then just really, you know, investing in, um, in, in the UK, investing in the EU. These are really important markets for us to grow into. We know that you can't just bring our, you know, uh, our US centric or North America centric ways into, into these new markets and just sort of presume we will succeed in it. We really want to understand. Um, uh, you know uh, the, the dynamics um, in, in these other markets, and so just spending spinning up really good people and teams there. So, short version of saying like yeah, just growth, product growth, really. Interesting to hear you talk about the the I guess that they look, but the more interactive elements where people really want to to come up and uh, and have a flexible way of playing with 
styles to create their own because it that leads naturally really well into the the automatic bundling process instead of having to preset bundles allow people to create dynamically their own and there are tools going back a few years that tried to do it but the user interface was just very very funky and it never really caught on so i'd be intrigued if i'm intrigued to know right. and i'd love you to to let us know when you've got something in a beta or um on that that level you know is that is that high up the roadmap or you're not or too oh, yeah <clears throat> no it's it's high, it's it's high up the roadmap you know our main focus is um is really you know right now what we do is um and i can go off on a very long tangent on all of these topics so you should really stop me if i, if I do that um it's 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 high on the list but really what we're trying to solve for is um, taking, uh, you know, driving up the lifetime value of the shop or really revenue per, per year because we do a very effective job of, you know, driving up revenue per session. But there's such a huge opportunity, you know, if you just think of our own shopping habits. We go a couple, couple different places for sweaters. We go a couple different places for jeans. And, you know, we really could be putting a lot more of our shopper dollars or share of wallet into specific retailers. But they just don't give up very much, right? It, they're, they're, they don't really remember you. They don't really reward you for coming back. There aren't better tools and, and use cases and useful things you can do because you're a customer. It's sort of been boiled down to a very transactional thing, which is the occasional discount or loyalty points. And it just feels like a, a huge missed opportunity to create, you know, just give shoppers additional tools that are super easy to use. They're super optional. They're integrated into the workflow. We're not trying to create something that's extremely gimmicky and like complicated to use. Like that's not what shoppers want. They just want, they just, you know, a very simple idea, for example, is, Hey, um, I've bought 10 things with retailer X in the last two years. A bunch of stuff is arriving new. Why don't you just show me how those products would go well with the stuff you, you have? Right. Let me start there. So I don't have to try to figure this out for myself. You do the heavy lifting and then let me mix and match it and do all of that. So that's something we call my closet. That's very high up on the roadmap. And that's one simple example. Another example is to say, um, look, you know, you've browsed a bunch of things in your session. And why not um, take the five things I browsed and whether through email or through a part of the site, just send me lookbooks based on those products. Right. So, and, and categories, do it intelligently. If I look and I'm looking for button down shirts, Okay, you know I'm interested in that. If I looked at a particular brand, you know I'm interested in that. Just put pull in looks, pull in products, figure out my price points, and kind of give me these little mini stores, and let me pick up my sort of session again from there later. And this is all kind of going back to this theme of um, you know most most of e-commerce, most of physical retail for a shopper is, is is noise, right? I'm as a I'll keep this very short, but. You know, if I go into, um, let's just say, let's just say Macy's and I'm shopping for myself, all women's stuff, all kids stuff is all irrelevant. And Macy's customers, so I'm just using them as an example. Um, all the sizes that I wouldn't wear, all the styles I wouldn't wear, all the occasional occasions I wouldn't wear are, are noise. But there's a small set of things that would be very relevant for me. And I just wish that modern retail retailers would bring me those products first, show me how to style them, give me that inspiration and education, and then I can go explore everything else, right? So instead of making me 
fight through everything that's irrelevant to get to the point. So we're trying to really explore that idea and make, make sure it's a, it's a kind of usable experience for shoppers. Cool. Yeah, I really like that idea of, of not just constantly, here's a new bundle, here's a new bundle, but the, look, you've got stuff you've already paid for. Let's help you yeah. style that with some new cool stuff so you don't have to buy a new outfit every bloody time. <laughs> so exactly. I really, exactly. I really like that thinking. Cool. Um, look, Ryan, we, we, we've, we've gone for our, I'm sure we could sit here and talk about the the exponential potential for merchandise as the cows come out, but really appreciate you taking the time to to sit and share information. If um if somebody listening wants to probe you on a few use cases or talk about a specific project and, and how the pricing might work, how do they contact? Yeah, um, I mean they're they're welcome to shoot me an email. It's Rohan at stylytics.com, R-O-H-A-N at stylytics.com. Um and uh uh and we can we can direct them from there. Cool. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. I know you're jet-lagged after a long flight over to Dubai for the holidays. I wish you a, a very lovely Christmas with your family. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Do keep an ear open for our next episode as well. We'll drop one every week. We would love you to subscribe if you haven't already. And we do like ratings on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and now on Amazon as well. So thanks very much, everybody. Until next week. <laughs>